going on, Packers fans? Aaron Nagler here, joined by Eric Eager, VP of Sumer Sports. And uh, longtime Cheesehead TV viewers may recognize him as uh, the subject of my ire a couple years ago regarding the Packers being the most fraudulent 13-3 and team of all time. But uh, we've ironed those things out in, in the ensuing years. Eric, how are you, man? Aaron, it's, it's so good to talk. I know uh, we've had our differences in the past, but we've made up before. <laughs> we and it's been a lot of fun. And it's been awesome this year because I've had my years where I thought the Packers were overrated. And then this year, I thought the Packers were underrated. And it was a lot of fun to watch the, these young Packers uh, grow up before our very eyes and ears. And uh, mm-hmm. and they were great. And uh, and it was, it was fun even... Uh, seeing them give the Niners all they could handle in the playoffs. And, and I think that the, the future is bright. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun uh, to, to come on here today. Uh, well, I did want to talk to you after the NFC Championship game and the outcome that we all saw and the kind of fallout, especially online, as, as is always the case, when it comes to some of the decision-making and how analytics is such a, I don't know, boogeyman for some people. And I know some of the decision-making – that went into Dan Campbell and the fourth down decisions. Some of that isn't even analytics. It's just what he wants to do, how he wants his team to be run, et cetera. I applaud him for sticking to his guns and being who he is and not kind of double kind of second guessing himself after the game or this week in general. But I did want to talk to you kind of because of all the fallout and I've seen such impassioned kind of take the points, you know, old head kind of yelling coming off of that game. And people, again, turning towards analytics, quote unquote, as such a kind of a, I don't know, an adversarial term. What I wanted to talk to you about, and it's something I think you guys do at Sumer and do very, very well, taking analytics like information, data, what have you, and making it actionable uh, for teams, right? Because most teams now have analytics staff, at least one, if not more people in their building uh, kind of almost year round now. What do you think as far as, you know, when you're talking about taking what you've learned in the analytics kind of field and applying it to the NFL game? What what is what becomes actionable there? Because I think for a lot of people, you know, yes, they see it online. They'll see it on a website like yours or just on Twitter in general. But what makes it actionable? What are what are kind of people in the analytics field doing that informs decision-making and things that are happening on game day or in buildings at NFL teams? Yeah, I think it's, it's such a good question because I think when we look at, we watch Moneyball or whatever, we read the book right. and we we look at and see, it's like people don't bunt anymore or the second baseman, you know, now that they change the rules, right. it's not the same, but the second baseman's all the way out in right field. Right. And we think it's like ruining our favorite sports, but it, it, it happens in so many different ways. Like there are some teams that, you know, for example, in Green Bay, the Jack Verminski, he, he does – a little bit of team building. He does a little bit of, you know, the in-game decision-making. And so that can go anywhere from, you know, basically looking at like the surplus value of players. So, you know, whether or not to price out a contract, you know, for a player like Aaron Jones or how to, how to manipulate the cap. So some teams, they put, you know, their analytics kind of in that cap and whether or not, you know, you know, how much and where to pay players and where to put the void years and things like that. For other teams, you know, the Los Angeles Rams, when they won the Super Bowl, uh, they had a woman by the name of Sarah Bailey who was doing a lot of instrumental work in you know Sarah well. Yeah, in in doing things, you know, with uh, you know, player monitoring. So, you know, they had called something called Rams Wednesdays, where most teams practice Wednesdays 
uh, and they had their off days on Tuesdays and the Rams did it a little bit differently. And if you looked at their injury rates, much, much different. And when everybody looked at Les Snead and the F them picks thing, <laughs> and they're like, right. you know, how were they able to win going against the grain and getting up the Vaughn Millers and the older players? How are they able to sort of win with that kind of roster construction? Well, they were able to carve out an edge by making sure that players were just incrementally more healthy than other teams. And then you have some teams, you know, for example, like the Baltimore Ravens with Daniel Stern, who's legitimately a coach. So he coaches inside linebackers, but he builds models and informs John Harbaugh about going for it on fourth down. And you watch, you know, the Ravens against the Chiefs on Sunday, and they're going for fourth and one at their own 34 early in that game to, you know, to make sure that they can, you know, tie the game early on. And so it's, it's all kinds of stuff. And, and obviously the fourth down stuff is kind of maybe the lowest hanging fruit because we can all see it. And it's, it has, the result is there immediately. Right. So yeah. then instantly there are either, there's either praise or there's condemnation. Right. And the, and the numbers are the biggest, right? So like when you see a difference of 5% in a game, like that comes out the biggest, whereas like looking at players sleep monitoring or looking at players diets or looking at, you know, whether or not I make this a two-year deal with two voids or a three-year deal with one void, that's all like one percentage point, or there's a lag in terms of when you see that actual edge appear on the field, or, you know, in player development, someone like Jordan Love, where you draft him in 2020, and you don't see the benefits of it until 2023, like those things aren't immediate. So we're not going to, we're not going to go all the way and, and, and look at that and be like, hey, that's analytics right in that spot. Right that's kind of where the heterogeneity and how these teams do. And to be quite frank, most teams don't have big enough staffs where they're covering all of those things. You know, teams like maybe Baltimore, um, Cleveland is another team. Philadelphia are maybe the closest to having all those bases covered. But a lot of teams like the Rams, you know, the Rams don't really do kind of in-game you know, analytics, but they have, as I said before, like really good pin down, you know, sports science stuff, the Seahawks being similar. And so, you know, they're trying to carve out a niche kind of in those individual areas to get an edge. And and it's it's within all, every single, you know, every single team in the league right now. It's just kind of like where you see it. And what I love about football is you see the evidence there. The like teams are going for more fourth downs. Uh, in 2016, no NFL team. The Packers were actually the closest with McCarthy. Yep. There were no NFL teams that went for fourth down more than 50% of the time when they should have. And then by the time you got to 2021, more than half the teams were, you know, passing has gone up, play action has gone up, all the kind of motion has gone up, all the things were statistics or just like evidence-based footballing would tell you to do these things more. That has not only come into the game, but it's made the game more exciting. That's like different than baseball, which I think has made the game a little bit more boring or basketball where you've seen like maybe a little bit less of the kind of elegance and the mid-range shooting and stuff like that. It's made football maybe a little bit more um, exciting for some, but I think for other people, it's just different what they've expected their whole time. When their favorite team gets a stop on third down, they expect to be able to get off the field. And when they don't see it, they're like, hey, 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 this is against the rules. And I just think for some people that's jarring enough where – or. They want to see a field goal because they want the game extended. Another thing to think about for the viewers or the listeners here is think about how the broadcast talk to you. The broadcast yes. incentive is for the game to be extended. They don't care who wins, whereas Dan Campbell wants his team to win. He doesn't care how long it takes. Um, and so it's just, you know, people people reject change. And I think in football, teams are trying to win because everybody's dealing with a lot of the same constraints. and They're trying to 
take those constraints and meld them in different ways so that they can, you know, get more out of them than the other 31 teams. I've talked to you about this before online, and, and you've always been really open to this kind of suggestion and or talking point where some of your colleagues in the space probably have been have bristled a little bit more. But to me, I think one of the things, especially this is a very online phenomenon. Like this is like when I meet humans and we speak, you know, it's a lot different than when you type out a tweet and say something along this line, which is there's such strident defense of analytics from people who work in the field. I think it turns people off because there's a sense that, okay, this is right. And this is the only way where, and I don't think that's how you feel. I think you understand there are limits to everything, right? And the way that you've just kind of outlined as far as th these are ways that will help your football team. These are ways that will open up possibilities for you rather than be constraining, which I think people tend to view it as. But I think more than anything, especially as kind of younger people get into the sport and most of them are online and consuming content and certainly on social media, it feels like that's, that's where now that we've kind of gotten into a phase of NFL football where, yeah, teams are going for it, uh, going for two, right? Down eight late in the game and blah, blah, blah. And all these kind of arguments that I, I get frustrated as someone who I'm not even in that space. And I understand why teams are doing that. Because now it's been happening for long enough that, you know, you should know it. Like at this point, if you're an NFL fan and you don't understand why that's happening, that's kind of on you. But at the same time, I feel like the analytics community and the people who have driven this type of change that you're talking about got to find some patience and some grace with people who, yeah, they're probably not getting it. And they're probably stubborn and ignorant on purpose. But that doesn't change the fact that, you know, okay, yes, there are reasons behind it. Here they are. I've listed them out a million times, but here again is why. You know, to me, that is probably more than anything. And I think you heard that in J.J. Watts' assessment of PFF on, on the uh, McAfee program the other week, where I don't totally agree with J.J. there, but I understand why he feels that way because of the messaging, if that makes yeah. sense. Well, no, like, it, it's – it's so funny, right? Like my dad is a, is a minister, right? And, you know, for what, it, and, and so it, I always try to tell him, you know, and, and it's funny, I'm like, I'm like, you can't act like these people have believed the same things you believe for the last 20 years. Like you don't, they don't right. have the same intuition that you have about these, whether or not they believe it or not. Like, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and I, I speak from a place of uh, humility here. I haven't always been this way. Um, you know, back my previous career, I was in mathematical biology and like we, I, I studied climate science and like, you know, I was much harsher then with people who didn't believe in climate change. Like it, right. it's, you know, and I, I tell you like that doesn't work either. Right. And, and that's something <laughs> that actually matters. Right. Football yeah. is something that really We're matter. just talking football here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so like persuasion is a, is a key and, you know, and, and by the way, it's okay, by the way, it's okay to consume football and disagree with the analytics. Like this is an entertainment enterprise. Yep. And if you want to, it's like comedy. It's like, if you want to consume, like, I don't like certain comics. And if you like that comic, that's perfectly fine. Like it's an entertainment entity. All right. My issue, of course, is when people, you know, like Mike Florio, who we've lost, you know, years ago. <laughs> Um, years ago <laughs> who like who go and right. say things that are intentionally ignorant like yep. I have you know my I have an intern at I had I have four interns who are now in the NFL who 
I, I'm proud of because I think analytics has allowed them opportunities to be in the league. They're from, you know, women, people from sure. underrepresented groups. This has given them an opportunity to be. And so in, in some ways, Floyd is right in that sense, but it's not because they're not qualified. It's because they, they get, they present a, an advantage, they give an advantage to the teams that they didn't otherwise have. And it's not that, you know, and so I get I bristle at those things. So that's where I kind of, where I get to the, to the messaging, like, I'm perfectly okay if people want to say, I disagree with that, or I don't like this. That's fine. Like, uh, as far as tastes are concerned, we're all allowed to have our own. It's more of like the, this isn't valuable, or this is stupid, or this is wrong. Right. The, dis- the ignorant dismissiveness from that side yeah. of things, right? I and, I get that. That has to wear you down. Or Matt LaFleur should be fired because he, or oh. Dan Campbell should be fired because he's not giving his team the right chance to win. Like, right. I do think you know, the baseball community, like put Burple Ilevin in the Hall of Fame because they, they studied his career better. Um, we, you know, at PFF, we gave, we, we promoted Chris Harris Jr. Uh, you know, we promoted Evan Mathis. We put, we put player, we gave players opportunities to show off. And I, I genuinely believe in like, and I think hopefully people appreciate this. Like I've stopped the whole X doesn't matter. I, you know, I, I think that right. there's an element of, you want to make you want to make sure this isn't a dehumanizing thing. You want to make sure that it's not a bean counting. It's thing. a really good point. But but you but you also this is a tool to elevate some things that truly are valuable here. But you, we do have to make sure that in this community we don't go after people and say like you you're liking foot like Sheldon Cooper you're liking football <laughs> wrong like that's right. not a that's right. not a way to appreciate these things. And here's the other part if. If everybody in, is, and and you guys figure this out, I'm I'm a Cheesehead TV subscriber. I love the way that you guys do things. You guys do things sort of differently. And and if the whole, if everybody studied football and analyzed football the way that I do, I probably wouldn't be as valuable to the space as I am. So right. like, there's also a value there to being different. And and so like, it it doesn't actually benefit us all that much to give away some of the good stuff. Like the fourth down decision stuff. It's like, yes, this stuff has been solved. If you don't want to get on board, that's fine. But these teams are actually going, they are doing it exactly. And winning games with it. That's the funny thing. I mean, it's so funny you bring up the fourth down thing because I remember reading the heart. What was the Harvard paper? I can't remember the author's name, but somebody did a paper. I'm talking like a decade plus ago. I think, and I think the title literally was why teams should go for it on fourth down. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was more often than they do or all the time or what what it was, but I'll never forget like on message boards, like on football guys back in like the early 2000s, people being up in arms about that idea. And now it's like not only proven out to be not maybe right, but certainly actionable. It's fascinating to watch teams, to your point, going for it what on the 34 your own 34 yard line in a an AFC championship game there I mean, was a game the done thing now there was a game in week 17 that probably cost the eagles the division title where the cardinals knew they couldn't stop the eagles so when yep. they scored to tie the game they onside kicked it because they're like i'd rather the eagles score what they're going to score in the least amount of time possible so we can get the ball back and like that's, that's what i was begging matt lafleur to do at the end against san francisco I mean, yes, they let San Francisco just bleed the clock out on them. Exactly. And and I and and again, like this is about, you know, and when you when you truly love the game. And I think that that's the one part where people look at guys like me 
and and they're like oh he's just a dork and like he doesn't you know he's he's ruining the like they don't realize that i'm watching packers lions 1993 playoff game like in my you know while i'm coding <laughs> and i like truly love football you oh, know man, and, yeah. and i'm trying yeah, yeah. to like i'm like truly g- getting inspiration from watching robert brooks run a post route you know and and so i that's kind of where i'm i think that when when you realize that everybody loves the game and they're just approaching it from different points and that's that's kind of where i draw the line too is like if somebody like florio like does florio really love the game or is he trying to gatekeep you know because i feel like if you truly love the game like you guys like if you truly love the packers like you guys don't talk crap about other Packers content creators. You guys don't have to. Well, Corey does, but I certainly don't. Yeah, like you guys don't have to push other people down. Right. And like for me too, like I don't have like if, as long as you're building, as long as you're doing your thing, I think what is what's 100%. true and right will, will will grow. And like and that's where I that's immediately where my red flags go up and where people try to knock analytics. It's almost because they know that if the space grows, their brand of analyzing the game will shrink because it's they're not trying to improve. And that and that to me is where the red flag should go up. If if the people who are truly trying to watch film and trying to analyze the game are trying to bring the fans a new perspective and everything, they're, they're not going to fall by the wayside if, if football gets more analytical because they're they're going to continue to love and adapt with the game as it happens totally agree and that's um something i've tried and i actually i literally put out a video kind of about that on um championship weekend on the line during the lions game because there were so many packers fans who were trying to tell each other what to do when it came to rooting interests and i'm like just be you man if you want to root for the lions root for the lions like there that's it affects absolutely nobody and it certainly doesn't affect the outcome on the field um real quick before i let you go i i wanted to touch on something you wrote uh, on your website regarding Jordan Love and the whatever ends up being his contract extension. I I really, really appreciate it. And I'll put the link in the description of this video for Packers fans who want to read it. Um, you mentioned sticker shock, which I, is something I've been talking about pretty much since Jordan went on that tear the second half of the season. I, I think Packers fans need to be ready for that because I don't doubt for a moment that they will, when they're allowed to uh, here in May, uh, when they have negotiations about his contract extension i i think there are going to be packers fans who have some sticker shock and i think a that's the cost of doing business at that position and b i don't doubt for a moment that whatever that shock might be you give it two three years and this almost always happens it's going to look like a bargain if he continues to play at the level we saw towards the end of the season yeah for sure and that and that's the whole thing with quarterbacks it's like um you know Never was there a time when Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers' contract was holding the Packers back. I, I, you know, because the whole deal was always what was their performance like. We were always talking about was Brett Favre throwing too many interceptions? Was he was he not healthy enough? Was he not taking care of himself? And with Rodgers was you know the the late McCarthy years, the early Lafleur years, like the the whether or not the Packers were winning was always dependent upon Rogers. how Rodgers performed <laughs> in that offense and not right. how much money he made. And yeah. that's when you have a quarterback. And, and I truly believe like there are the cousins, there are the Daniel Joneses, there are the Derek Carrs, and there are, but when you take one look at Jordan Love, he's either going to be a bad quarterback or he's going to be one of the great ones. He does not have 
midline quarterback traits. And that's, you know, and I, I, in my, on Sumer Sports YouTube channel, I wrote, you know, when I, when, when he was first coming out, I was, he's the kind of quarterback I get wrong because he, he's at a small school, he has the traits and it, they weren't materializing. And there are clues you pick out in the NFL. And one clue, there's a couple of them. If you trade with the Ravens, you're losing. There are, <laughs> if the Packers are going to buy into a quarterback, he's probably good. And, and so if the Packers were going to let Jordan Love be their quarterback, though, and, and you watch him throw for a minute at Utah State, you knew that there was going to be, you know, the movement skills and the ability. And now it was dark. I mean, you remember the Vegas game on Monday. Oh, night. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. You know, the Vikings, the first Vikings game. <sighs> and, and there were dark times. I mean, you remember in 90, you know, 94 when, you know, Holmgren walks out and put Mark Brunel in and then he decides. Again, wait, like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah. There were never really those dark days with Rodgers. I mean, but it, but with, with, um, with, you know, th that happens. But when you take one look at Jordan Love, I mean, he, I, I think at worst, he's a Matthew Stafford type where, yeah, you know, the flashes are going to be there where it's like, okay. The, the good years are going to be Super Bowl caliber quarterback playing years, and the bad years might might frustrate you. I don't think that they're going to be the Kirk Cousins years. And so the dollar figure is never going to matter for Jordan Love. He's always going to be good enough to make the kind of money, especially in the NFC, where you're never going to look at the Packers and say they can't win because Jordan Love makes too much money. Yep. It, it's always going to be Jordan Love's the fixed you know, the fixed guy here. And the offense just, you know, if they're not producing, it's going to be something else. Yeah. And so, yeah, if they, if they come out and it's like four years, 200 million or something like that, Packers fans will be like, holy shit, that was one year's worth of play. But that's what it is. That's what it takes to sign these guys. Market and now. And to your point, like he's certainly shown enough towards the end of the season, the second half of the year, no doubt, as far as just, and I'm not even talking the numbers, which were insane by the way. I mean, and pick a metric and they were off the charts uh, from basically week nine or 10 on. Right. But just turn on the tape and look at some of the throws he makes, some of the plays he makes that you can't really account for as far as, okay, what is the quantification of the value? Blah, blah, blah. Like that's just uh, for lack of a better word, God given talent that you can't mm -hmm. teach. You can't coach that he is displaying with consistency. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. At the beginning of the year, I got a lot of pushback from Packers fans because I don't see any special plays. I don't see any wow throws. And then you get to the second half and you see a wow throw almost every drive, right? So well, I think the patience, you know, was necessary. But, man, you really saw it come to fruition in the second half of the season. Well, I think the most impressive part about Love is when you watch Rodgers. Like, when when Rodgers watched Favre, Rod, Favre had – Greg Jennings, he had Donald Driver, he had, you know, Donald Lee, brought, you right. know, Bubba Franks, he had a great offensive line, he had running backs, and he had, you know, veteran coach. And and then when he stepped in, he's had those same advantages. When when Love yeah. was watching Rodgers, Rodgers had, you know, uh, Adams, he had Valdez Scantling, he had uh, Cobb for a lot of times, he had Lazard, he had tight ends. Uh, Tanyan and 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 Lewis. He had a running back, and 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 you know people forget Aaron Jones was out for most of the year, yeah. and so he steps in Bakhtiari for a lot of the time. He steps in Bakhtiari played one game. Uh, Aaron Jones plays one game before he's out for most of the year, and yeah. then all the wide receivers are young guys. Like I can barely spell any of their names, and 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 so not only does he have to learn, he's learned like he had to step in. 
but like the the, the book is written in Chinese, and so like, <laughs> he's, he's so it was a very right. I, I was very impressed with him, and I think again when you think about quarterback pay, it's all in my opinion about you know again once a guy reaches a talent threshold. It's not about the money. And again, like I, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. A lot of my friends are Vikings fans. For Kirk Cousins, it's about the money because the talent level is good, not great. For Jordan yep. Love, it's great. And you have to really, Packer fans have to deal with that. And what's great is we already know how well he can perform when you surround him with a bunch of young players. He did great. So, you know, the future's bright, I think. I couldn't agree more. Eric, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on Cheesehead TV. Make sure you check out his stuff at Sumer Sports. Like I said, there'll be a link in the description of this video. Eric. Thanks a lot, man. Hey, thanks for having me.